0: Please uh, take a copy of God's Word and turn to the Old Testament book of Leviticus and uh, follow along as I start reading at verse 33 of Leviticus 23. Once again, the Old Testament book of Leviticus, I will start reading at verse 33 of chapter 23. We will be considering the Feast of Tabernacles this morning, the last of the seven appointed feasts of the Lord that uh, we read about in the Old Testament and that we uh, see that the Jews observed including our Lord Jesus himself in the Gospels. Uh, This would probably be a good time for me to mention one more time uh, the help that I am receiving uh, for today's message, but also for all of the messages on the feasts of Leviticus 23, Uh, a little booklet by Warren Wearsby entitled Be God's Guest, be God's guest. He has uh, sometimes helped me immensely and sometimes a little bit, but he has always helped me in each one of these messages uh, on the feasts of Leviticus 23. Hear the word of God, verse 33. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, On the 15th day of the seventh month, the Lord's Feast of Tabernacles begins, and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Do no regular work. For seven days, present offerings made to the Lord by fire, and on the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly, and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. It is the closing assembly, do no regular work. And then skipping over to verse 39 and following. So beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month, after you have gathered the crops of the land Celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. The first day is a day of rest, and the eighth day also is a day of rest. On the first day, you are to take choice fruit from the trees and palm fronds, leafy branches and poplars, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it in the seventh month. Live in booths or live in tabernacles for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in booths, so your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in booths when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And that is the word of God. Let us pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, Please continue in your kindness, in your grace, and your mercy uh, to be with us here uh, this morning. Uh, please now use your word to uh, minister to each one of us, to minister to uh, our lives, uh, our homes, our, our churches. Please, Heavenly Father. Take your word and run with it in reference to each one of us. And uh, by, again, your kindness, do not let it return to you empty or void. In Jesus' name, amen. The last of the seven appointed feasts of the Lord for the children of Israel was the feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. The Feast of Tabernacles took place five days after the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and it lasted seven days. It took place in the fall on the 15th through the 21st days of the seventh month of Israel's religious calendar. The Feast of Tabernacles was a feast for rejoicing. It was a festival when the children of Israel for one week rejoiced in the goodness of the Lord God. It is the equivalent of our Thanksgiving Day when our harvest has been brought in and we express our gratitude to the Lord for all of his blessings to us verses 39 and 40 of Leviticus 23 once more read so beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month after you have gathered the crops of the land celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. The first day is a day of rest, and the eighth day also is a day of rest. On the first day, you are to take choice fruit from the trees and palm fronds, leafy branches and poplars, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days days. The Feast of Tabernacles teaches us some important and practical lessons about joy. This morning, for our message, we will consider these lessons, these particular lessons about joy, and they will be four in number. Here is the first one. God wants his people to have joy. Let me say that again. God wants his people to have joy. There are some people, I am afraid, who don't believe this. There are some people who think that God is a killjoy, spoil sport. God sits in heaven and figures out ways to make his people miserable. No smiles, no gladness, no rejoicing for his people. Misery. But that, of course, just isn't true. God really does want his people to have joy In Psalm 16, verse 11, we read, you fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And Galatians five, verse 22 says to us, but the fruit of the spirit is joy. And Philippians four, verse four has these words, Rejoice in the Lord, always. Again, I will say, rejoice. By the way, at least 19 times in the four chapters of Philippians, Paul mentions joy, rejoicing, or gladness. Here is one more verse. It's from the lips of the Lord Jesus. John 15, verse 11. I have told you this, Jesus says to his disciples. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You know, my friends, if the disciples had never seen Jesus smile or laugh, they would have wondered, what in the world is he getting at? What in the world is he saying here? I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. One way that God encourages his people to be joyful is to have them look back and remember his past blessings to them. The children of Israel, during the Feast of Tabernacles, were to dwell in booths for the entire feast. This was for the purpose of causing them to remember the time when they lived in booths. To remember the time when God, in the past, had blessed them greatly by bringing them out of Egypt and caring for them in the wilderness. They dwelt in booths. Again, when God brought them out of Egypt and cared for them all the way to the promised land. Leviticus 23, verses 42 and 43. Live in booths for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in booths so your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in booths, when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. In the book of Deuteronomy, we find Moses telling the Israelites again and again to remember. He said to them, "Remember." You were servants in bondage in the land of Egypt, and God delivered you with a mighty hand and with great power. And when you move into the land of Canaan, when you live in houses you didn't build, when you drink from wells you didn't dig, when you eat from fields and trees you didn't plant or cultivate, remember this. It is God who has given this to you. Thinking back on the workings of the Lord in one's life, remembering encourages one to be joyful. Jewish tradition added two practices to the Feast of Tabernacles. Two practices which are not recorded in Leviticus chapter 23. For one thing, they used to go down to the pool of Siloam in Jerusalem, draw out some water, and pour it out as a reminder that God gave them water as they traveled through the wilderness. Then also, they had four huge candlesticks in the temple court, And every night during that feast week, the candlesticks were lighted. It was a reminder of the pillar of fire that guided Israel in the wilderness and to the promised land. The Jewish people had much at which they could look back and for which they could be thankful There was God's deliverance, there was God's provision, there was God's protection, and there was God's direction. And my friends, we have much at which we can look back and for which we can be thankful. It is a good thing to sit down, recall, and remember the goodness of the Lord Especially his eternal goodness, like our conversion. It is one way that God encourages us to have joy. Then another way God helps his people to be joyful is to have them notice their present blessings. The Feast of Tabernacles was also a harvest festival. It was held right after the Israelites gathered in their corn and grapes. The people could certainly rejoice for seven days, for they had just received generously from the hand of God. Deuteronomy 16, verses 13 through 15, contains these words about the Feast of Tabernacles. Celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days after you have gathered the produce of your threshing floor and your winepress. Be joyful at your feast. Skipping down now to verse 15. For seven days, celebrate the feast to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. Our original thanksgiving took place because of the then present goodness of the Lord to the people. Noticing the present mercies from the generous hand of God also helps us to be joyful. Do you know what your present mercies are? They are many. They are very many. Do you know what some of them are? Have you thought about them recently? From the Feast of Tabernacles, here is our first point again. God wants his people, to have joy. Joy is actually the birthright of God's people to help us to have it, to experience it. He has us look back at past blessings, and then he has us look around at his present goodness. He has us think about his great faithfulness. Lamentations, chapter 3. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness, joy. The second lesson that the Feast of Tabernacles teaches us about joy is joy always follows cleansing. Perhaps you have looked back at your past blessings and you also looked around at your present mercies, but you still didn't find yourself rejoicing. Perhaps you have thought about the faithfulness of God, but but once more you were still not joyful. What was wrong? Why did you not experience joy? I quote, Nothing will rob you of joy like sin. End quote. Sin is one of the great joy stealers. Let me illustrate this from the Bible. You, of course, remember David. David was the son of Jesse and the second king of the children of Israel. David was also the one who wrote Psalm 1611. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. However, at a particular time in David's life, He sinned with the the daughter of Eliam, Bathsheba. He committed adultery with her, and he had her husband Uriah killed, and then he refused to immediately repent of this. Do you recall what those sins did to him? One result was They caused him to lose his joy. Are you sure of that? I am. In Psalm 51, verse 12, we find David crying out to God, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. You also remember the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son was a young man who wanted to be independent of his father. He he wanted to be free of God and do his own thing. But when he lived his life of rebellion against God, he soon became miserable. Luke 15, verse 16. He longed to fill his stomach with the husks that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. Sin robs us of joy, but joy follows cleansing. I've mentioned Dr. Warren Weersby, and how greatly he has helped me throughout this series of messages. He has written something along these lines. First came the Day of Atonement, then came the Feast of Tabernacles. First came repentance and cleansing, Day of Atonement, and then came the joy, Tabernacles. First, sin has to be taken care of, and then, there can be happiness. God wants his people to have joy and joy follows cleansing. Let me ask, are you basically a joyless person? Are you basically characterized by being miserable, joyful thanksgiving, that would not be applied to you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and, I believe we can say, and to restore our joy because God wants his people to be joyful people. There's another lesson about joy that we should learn from the Feast of Tabernacles. It's lesson number three. And lesson number three is joy leads to sacrifice. When one is joyfully thankful to God, giving to or doing things for God is no problem. When when one is happy in the Lord, rejoicing in his goodness, it is no problem to share with God and others. In fact, Sharing with God and others in a sacrificial way is no big hassle. It is even a delight. At the Feast of Tabernacles, we read that the Israelites sacrificed a large number of animals. Numbers 29 tells us, that 70 bullocks would be sacrificed, and 14 rams, and 98 lambs, and seven goats. And then on the eighth day, there would be one bullock, one ram, one goat, and seven lambs, totaling 199 animals. When one is rejoicing in the goodness of the Lord, it is not a big hassle to sacrifice for God and others. Years ago, I was an assistant pastor at Homestead United Presbyterian Church in Homestead, Pennsylvania. Each year, the church would have a vacation Bible school. And one year, some of the ladies in the church taught the children at the vacation Bible school uh, this song from Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, meaning taking the words right out of Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. The song is. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Here is what we are now saying The joy of the Lord will also lead to giving, to doing, to working for the Lord. In fact, it will also lead to sacrifice. The joy of the Lord is your strength, and it will also lead to sacrifice to the glory of God. Do you recall what Moses had to say to the children of Israel about their free will contributions for the construction of the tabernacle. Exodus 36, because of the Israelites' hearts, and that's there in Exodus 36, because of their hearts, uh, I'm going to say their joyful and thankful hearts, Moses had to say to them, no more, Stop bringing any more contributions. We have much more than we need. To be honest, I have never heard a pastor say that to his congregation. But Moses said, Stop. We have much more than we need. The third lesson about joy that we should take with us is... Joy leads to sacrifice. Dr. Warren Wiersbe, in his book or booklet on the feasts of Leviticus 23, has said, concerning the Israelites sacrificing 199 animals at the Feast of Tabernacles, I used to ask myself the question Why did God stop with 199 animals? Why not an even 200 sacrifices? And then I had this thought. I am supposed to be sacrifice number 200. I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, by the grace of God, by the blessings of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The joy of the Lord is ultimately to lead us to give ourselves daily and completely to the Lord God, it is to lead us unreservedly to turn ourselves over to him every single day. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments, take my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise, the joy of the Lord ultimately will contribute to that. Then the fourth lesson on joy from the Feast of Tabernacles is the greatest joy is yet to come. You've heard uh, me and uh, no doubt several others, maybe even many others say that in the past, the the greatest joy or the best is yet to come. Is that Bible? It absolutely is Bible. It is throughout the Bible. As we have said time and time again during this series on the appointed feasts of the Lord, the feasts of the Lord are most of all to teach us about the Lord Jesus. They primarily are to instruct us about him. The Feast of Tabernacles then, in pointing to the Lord Jesus, seems to me to want to teach us that one day there will be a final harvest. Remember now, Feast of Tabernacles a harvest festival. One day there will be a final harvest and Jesus Christ will rule over all and his people who have been gathered by him will forever rejoice in him and reign with him. One day Jesus Christ will show himself as Lord and his gathered followers will share in his glory and they will find in his presence a fullness of joy that they have not experienced up to that point. What a tremendous way to bring these feasts to a close. At the end, when Christ returns, and gathers all of his, we will rejoice in him and we will reign with him like we have never joyed up to that point. Zechariah 14 verses 4, 9, and 16 contain these words about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came up against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king and to keep the feast of tabernacles. When Christ returns, his kingdom will be finalized. He will reign supreme, and there will be a time of great rejoicing among his gathered followers in him and with him. Day in and day out, there will be gladness. He will have delivered his own from sin and corruption completely. There will be no more mourning or suffering or death. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and disappointment from their hearts. He will have made everything new, and his own will be made completely happy in the full enjoyment of God forever. My friends, do you have that joy waiting for you? Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Do you have that joy waiting for you? Let's review. God wants his people to have joy. Joy always follows cleansing. Joy leads to sacrifice. And the greatest joy is yet to come because of our Lord Jesus. That's what we can learn from the Feast of Tabernacles. And so my friends, Be God's guest at this feast of the Lord. Go on and experience the joy of the Lord now. Think about his faithfulness. Recall his unceasing love. Reflect on his goodness, his unfailing goodness. Confess your sins and experience the joy of the Lord now. Give sacrificially to the Lord and watch your joy increase. And remember, the greatest joy is still before us. It is yet to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please, in your kindness, so work in each one of our lives, that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and we are joyful people, and we are looking forward to the greatest joy which is yet to come. In Jesus' name, amen.